sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists at Tailored Book Recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 144. We are recording on December 12th. I'm Sharifa Williams here with Jen Northington, and today we decided to talk about the first couple of episodes of the new Willow series that we have been pretty excited about <laughs> curious about yeah curious <laughs> was definitely the right word I remember we talked about it as a news item when it was first announced and then we did that Willow rewatch and that's right yes <laughs> interesting now to see the new I watched the first three yes I watched the first three which was all that was And available. I watched the first two. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Note to self. Do not <laughs> go too far into spoiler territory. It's <laughs> <sighs> funny. Yeah. I think, what did they debut the first two and then the third one came out recently? Is yeah. They come out on Wednesdays, I if I recall correctly. Yes. So um, depending on when you're, when you're listening okay. to this, you know, I think the fourth one, yeah, the fourth one comes out on the day of airing. So. Okay. I'll have to catch up. But yeah. uh, before we talk about, yeah, <laughs> before we talk about Willow and our news items for today, we wanted to talk a little bit about tailored book recommendations in this gifting season. So this is if you're looking for the perfect gift for the book nerd in your life, uh, if you have a special someone who's looking for some reading and looking for some recommendations. Um, you can, they can tell our professional book nerds, which we call bibliologists, which is a name that is delightful to me. Uh, <laughs> they can tell them about what they love, what they don't love, what their reading goals are, and what they need more of in their bookish life. Then our bibliologists go to work selecting books just for them. So if you are interested in TBR, we have plans for every budget. Uh, you can gift one quarter or a whole year. You can give hardcovers in the mail or they can receive recommendations only via email. And the recommendations only level is available worldwide, which is fantastic because who knows, everybody's friends are scattered these days. So <laughs> it can be hard to gift sometimes for your friends who are far flung. Um, and I've had the pleasure of recommending some books, being an honorary bibliologist here and there. It is so much fun. And we hope that you enjoy all of the recommendations we give uh, so if you're interested in looking into that, into gifting it, visit mytbr.co slash gift. That's mytbr.co slash gift to give the gift of books. And before we talk about news, let's hear from a sponsor. 
sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologist set tailored book recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. All right, let's get right into it. And I think I want to start off with something that I found really lighthearted and fun. (laughs) And it is an advertisement basically from Airbnb to uh, spend the night in Hobbiton. So this is kind of like, uh, we actually reported this on Book Riot in our Breaking in Books section. And I just think it's so funny. I feel like an SFF tour guide lately between (laughs) um, the Hocus Pocus Airbnb experience (laughs) and the Hobbiton experience. But one of the things that I regret the most with my – like I've been to New Zealand twice now because I have a family member living there. And I have never visited the Shire, which is the thing I feel like all readers – who visit New Zealand end up doing because Mm. why wouldn't you (laughs) visit the Shire? But this is like next level. So uh, Airbnb is giving three people the opportunity to win an overnight stay at the Shire's New Zealand filming location. And it doesn't start um, until March 2023. And so this place is like, it's it's open to the public. It, it's a place that you can visit, as I mentioned. A lot of people have. I just recently saw somebody on my Instagram who went to New Zealand uh, taking photos at the Shire. I had a little bit of a uh, an experience through their photos, which was fantastic. But you can enter for a two-night stay in this two-bedroom house in the Shire on December 14th. So it's 10 a.m. New Zealand time. So that's December 13th, 5 p.m. Eastern. And to enter, you pay $6. So not so bad for an opportunity to pretend you're a hobbit uh, (laughs) for a couple nights and enjoy some benefits like, you know, a banquet at the Green Dragon Inn with a big old hobbit-sized feast and second breakfast. And there are all sorts of other cool things attached to this uh, experience, this stay. And you can, of course, check out the photos. There are so many photos of this place everywhere. But if you want to see the actual location where you might be staying if you win this experience, you can do that at the Airbnb site. Uh, is this something you would ever do, Jen? <laughs> I mean, it's tempting. I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, you know, I think it's, first of all, genius marketing strategy because they'll make a ton yeah. of money off of people entering. I'm assuming you can enter more than once. I can't imagine that you wouldn't. So, um, and then obviously it's, you know, 
very cool. You have to get yourself to New Zealand is the tricky part, but that's the thing. But yeah, yes. it's very cool. <laughs> it's very cool. I mean, I've also seen I have friends who've been there. I've seen pictures of people like standing like Rebecca is actually hobbit sized, FYI, in case you didn't know. And there's a picture of her standing in front <laughs> right. of the door and you're like, oh, yeah, that's the exact right size house for you. Um so, yeah, it's it's fun. I'm just curious now, like, what other ones is like they like you said, they did Hocus Pocus. Now they're doing the Shire. Like, what other ones will we see crop up? Like, it's very smart because, you know, nerd yeah. culture, as we keep talking about, is very popular. And like people are desperate to, you know, go do things. And so I think this yes. is very interesting. Very interesting. It is. It's like the ultimate escape. Mm -hmm. Like you get to not only escape like you would on any other vacation, but you're also kind of escaping reality, our known (laughs) reality, which is really, uh, it's something you can't, you don't always get the opportunity to do. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super fun. I thought this would be a a lighthearted way to kick things off. And yeah, if you want to enter December 14th, I should say, for most of us listening, probably December 13th, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, So, yeah, check it out. All right. Let's see. Uh, I want to talk about this Dark Tower adaptation news. So Gizmodo reported that Mike Flanagan – oh, Linda Codega is the reporter. Um, Mike Flanagan, whose name I, like, don't know. He's a dude who does adaptations, apparently, um, is going to – has, like, left Netflix to go to Amazon with his uh, executive producer partner, Trevor Macy. Um, And they've acquired the rights to do a screen adaptation of The Dark Tower. Um, Apparently, they've already written a pilot script and season outlines. Uh, They're imagining that the season will run for, excuse me, the series will run for five seasons and then have two self-contained feature films. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a whole, that's a whole plan. Um, (laughs) I don't know, Sharifa, if you've read any of The Dark Tower. I haven't. I remember when there were initial talks to adapt it um, way back. I thought I might check it out, but it was one of those things, one of those situations where I was like, this is a commitment. Yeah. I will maybe table it. And I never got around to it. So Yeah, I tried. Um, I mean, they made, they did make a movie with Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey back in like seven, 2017. Yes. And I think I tried... I don't know. So it was somewhere in between then and now that I tried to read the first book because people love these books. I mean, love these books. And I have to confess, I could not get through the first book because there is so much just like blatant, like full on hatred of women on the page. Like it's very misogynistic, certainly from the character's perspective. And I just like it was too much for me. It was too, too bleak and too... Yeah, so I did not get through it, but I know there's lots of people out there who really enjoy them, and like perhaps it changed. I don't know. I'm not speculating uh, that it's the entire thing is like that. I just couldn't get through what I did read of it, but 
if you are a fan, it, it is an interesting piece of news because, you know, I guess I didn't realize um, this team, this creative team, uh, they did The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, like a bunch of other things. Um, they've got a fall of the House of Usher limited series on Netflix, which I didn't even know was happening. So, like, they yeah. clearly have horror credentials. And they've also done adaptations of Dr. Sleep and Gerald's Game, neither of which I, like, know anything about because I am not a horror person (laughs) but this does seem like promising news for Stephen King fans and uh, I thought some of y'all might like to hear about it so here we are yeah I knew about um, Flanagan I had forgotten that uh, he did The Haunting of a Hill House but I was just talking about The Midnight Club on the guest Mm. episode of SFF yeah I did recently because I really enjoyed that series, which was adapted from the Christopher Pike books. And I learned from this article about the Dark Tower that they canceled the Midnight Club. Yeah. So I was like, darn it. <laughs> so that was like, but yeah, I will say that um, as far as I can tell, this duo is, at least in my experience with their stuff, really good at the horror stuff. And the Midnight Club was like basically about the craft of horror. Mm. So I am curious about how they'll, like how people will respond to the horror, how they translate the horror elements of the Dark Tower, not knowing much about the Dark Tower, Mm -hmm. uh, but how that'll appear on the screen as a horror fan myself. But other than that, I know nothing about it. And... I'm curious to see how fans react to this adaptation when it comes out. All right. Well, speaking of terrifying things, (laughs) I watched the Kindred trailer, which was uh, discussed and uh, um, released also at Shadow and Act. This was reported on by Monique Jones. And I've been really excited about Kindred. Um, And this is coming out, we've talked about a couple times. So it's an FX Hulu series, of course, based on Octavia Butler's Kindred. Um, So I've been anticipating it, but really didn't know a lot about what to expect from it. So it's an eight episode series. It's starring a debut actor Mallory Johnson I guess just graduated pretty recently from Juilliard so pretty amazing opportunity and Johnson talks about how this was a really exciting um, opportunity especially working with the people she's working with and with this story Um, and it's written the series was written by Brandon Jacobs Jenning, who did Watchmen, which I think we've talked about this before, how, you know, intense that um, series was. I didn't actually watch it, but I heard so much about it. So I am sure that Jacobs Jenning, Jenkins, Jenkins, I can't speak right now, is going <laughs> to bring high intensity. And just watching the preview was enough to really give me those feelings. But this is such a this is such a a big kindred is like iconic. It's an iconic mm. classic 
from an icon, Octavia Butler. So it's no small feat to adapt this story, which is a sort of time jumping story um, that deals with uh, slavery in America's history and an interracial relationship and, you know, just about a woman, a young black woman who is a writer who is confronted by all of these terrors from the past and is also you know really affected and impacted in the present by these horribly violent time leaps that she undergoes or experiences so it's uh it's gonna be intense but Mm -hmm. I cannot wait to watch this and to be introduced to Mallory Johnson whose acting in the trailer alone is just like impeccable so yeah yeah so excited all of that so kindred if you are as excited to watch that series as i am is going to be airing exclusively on hulu and that starts december oh tomorrow the day after we're recording (laughs) very exciting (laughs) so by the time i will so by the time people are listening they can watch it perfect exactly nice Ideal. Ideal. All right. Well, our last bit of news is something that I thought looked really cool and is a nice bit of news, which is always nice to have. Uh, This is from Tor.com, reported on by Vanessa Armstrong. And the actor Yatide Badaki, who played Bilkis in American Gods, uh, is working on a Nigerian vampire show and comic book series called Nija Vamp, which like sounds amazing. Like that's very yes. cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so apparently, you know, she is like a geek and is Nigerian. And so this is very much a project um, that sounds near and dear to Badaki's heart. And they are going to do like a combination of a television and comics and there's still like not a lot of details this is very early on um but they are planning on publishing the comic in 2023 so we'll have that well before the show exists and the story is gonna follow bc who is turning 40 again uh eternally a 40 year old (laughs) vampire part of a nigerian undead family heritage um who comes to you know the new world amidst old world expectations, uh, having trouble dating. Like, it sounds like a nice combo of comedy and horror, which sounds really fun. Yes. And yeah, I'm super curious about this. Like, I, I also love like an older main character, right? Like 40 is a great age for yeah. those kinds of uh, struggles because, you know, having a hard time dating and dealing with family like never ends really (laughs) I don't think that's like an eternal struggle so uh I just think this is super cool sounding and I'm excited to see the comic come out next year and then you know fingers crossed on the show actually happening yeah I thought that this was so original and as a 40 year old myself Mm -hmm. I am very much on board for a 40-year-old eternally vampire and dealing with stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, 
Is uh, is this vampire going to wake up with horrible hangovers like I do as a 40-year-old and sore from doing small things? I'm just very excited about, like, especially the comedy elements of this and obviously the horror stuff. Yeah. That's my jam. Mm -hmm. So this was a great find. I'm super excited. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Sounds very enjoyable. Yes. Well, we're going to start talking about Willow after we hear from a sponsor. All right. I can't wait to hear about your <laughs> thoughts about Same. this series. <laughs> so I guess we should just start out with a general recap of what this series is about. Yeah. Who's in it and you know, where we are in mm-hmm. the Willow uh, universe and timeline. Mm-hmm. So I'll just give some general bullet points. So this was a Disney, this is a Disney Plus series, if you're looking for it. Um, it was developed by Jonathan Kasdan. I'm not really great at knowing names of people who develop shows, so <laughs> very little insight from me there. But it premiered November 30th, so the end of November. And the thing that was super exciting to me as a fan of the movie Willow was learning that Warwick Davis was returning to reprise his role as Willow because I do not think we could have had this series without Davis. No, no. (laughs) Because he is like the reason, the reason I watched this thing. Um, So... In this storyline, we're watching the events that take place after the events of the movie. So things have happened. Um, <laughs> there, Willow has gone his separate way, um, and Sorsha is living in her part of this world. And there's a whole new generation of heroes in this series which i i hadn't like i didn't i tried not to learn too much mm-hmm. about what to expect from the series but i did pull together this link which i know you have some thoughts about this piece from collider about where they basically give you everything you supposedly need to know before you watch the disney plus series and this was reported on by liam gone um, so there's some stuff in here that just kind of gives you a recap of, you know, what happened in Willow if you, not unlike us, did not watch it <laughs> fairly recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, it to came out. yourself. Right. It it came out before the new show was released and they were being cagey about details. So like there's some yeah. speculation in there that like as soon as you'll watch, you'll be like, oh, that's that's not right. But like it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you can't create. I feel there are so many lists like this where yes. it's just like it's almost unavoidable. Oh, yeah. The speculation based on like so few, mm-hmm. <laughs> so few bits of knowledge, 100%. which is entertaining to read afterwards. Yeah. But yeah, you can totally uh, see how they got there. You're just like, that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it is good background primer, especially for like, what is this universe? Like, how does 
what are the names of the places? Like, how is this set up? How did we get here? Like, I think it's a great piece for that, for background. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think I knew all of the names of the places. I was, oh, no. a lot of this was totally new to me. As somebody who just watched it, I was like, oh, the kingdom of Nakmar? Like, I didn't know that was what it was called necessarily. Um, but I think I read the novelization as a kid, but I do not remember it at all. And that was actually one of the most interesting things from this Collider piece is I had no idea how many other properties like there were in this franchise. Uh, But there is there's there's the novelization. And then apparently there's also like a video game or and or like a Nintendo role-playing game like who knew there's comics I did not know any of those things yeah I didn't either and I think I'm remembering that they also said something about a a book about Alora. is that the novelization where no I mean it was straight up a novelization of the movie at least the one that I read was that's what that was um, apparently there's a dragon in it. I You would think I would remember that, but I do not remember. Yeah. Um, and like Mad Mardigan's backstory is in there. I'm honestly a little tempted to pick up the novelization <laughs> just like to see. They're not usually very good, but I, I say that I actually have read some decent novelizations since my teenage years. So th- it's not impossible for a novelization to be good, I guess is what I'm saying. And I am... Super curious. Um, let's see. There is a there's a property called the thing you're thinking of is that Chris Claremont wrote something called the Chronicles of the Shadow yes. War, which follows teenage Alora. And and then there are three novels in that, I guess. Yeah. Those are yeah, I guess those are also novels. So this is this is gonna require more research, quite frankly. <laughs> there is so much I had no idea also that there were so many other stories out there. I also didn't realize that people wanted it to be sort of a Star Wars yeah. thing, like That's part nonsense. of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> I was like, that's a that's a stretch. I, I was agree. trying to like <laughs> make sense of that in my head, and I was like, that is one hundred percent stretch. And there was some sort of like April Fool's joke. Well, about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It just occurred to me actually that, and I remember thinking this as a kid. So you remember there were these Star Wars direct-to-video movies and one of them was about a little girl named Sindel who lived on (gasps) Endor and there was like a witch situation and that has a lot of similarities to Willow. So maybe it's not as stretchy as I just said now that I'm thinking about it. I forgot about that since my child, like I... When you said the name Sindel, I was Sindel. like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it took me back. And like that Wicket, the Ewok was part of that situation, if I recall. Yes, correctly. Woo! Down, yes. down the memory lane we are going right now. So, so if oh you put goodness, those yes. side by side, it actually isn't that stretchy, which is wild. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah, right. I so you know, you do you fans and 
<laughs> well, how make it uh, make um, sense to us. That was a, a journey. Yeah. Yeah. So so we'll do some some non-spoilery things that expand on the, yeah. the collider stuff now. So right. So we so Sorsha is like now like a grown queen and mother who has teenage twins named mm-hmm. um, Kit and Eric. Yes, Kit and Eric. And what I think is smart about this actually is that and this is like overall true, I think, of the I went in with very low expectations, I should say. I was very prepared to be like, this is terrible. Um, I did not think it was terrible. <laughs> oh, spoiler. I didn't think it was terrible. But I thought what it was really smart about how they did this is that like Kit is like very a young Sorsha. Like she wants to sword fight. She's very headstrong, um, you know, clashing with her mom. Obviously, her mother is not an evil sorceress. Uh, which is was Sorsha's problem. But, you know, I think they mm-hmm. really captured that um, teenage uh, vibe very well that, like, harkens back to the original. And Eric definitely, like, I was like, these two could absolutely be the offspring of Mad Mardigan and Sorsha. Like, they look like them. Yeah. Like, Eric has, like, strong Val Kilmer vibes, both in, like, approach to the role and, like, Facially, like his like jawline is like a dead ringer. I feel like for young Val Kilmer, yeah. Um, and and he's like kind of he's like the comic relief. Like he's very like sort of a little bit doofy, like very well meaning, and uh, has a bit of a reputation with the ladies. And and then we get these amazing supporting characters. Like I was just sort of blown away by. Um, Aaron Kellyman as Jade, who yeah, is Kit's like same. best friend and sparring partner, and like a little bit more maybe. Um, and it was so nice to see a young woman of color in this role. And then we have uh, obviously Warwick Davis reprising his role. Um, and then and Kit is like in the midst of an arranged marriage situation. That's who Tony Revolori, who's from you'll recognize him if you're a Spider-Man fan. He's played Flash in the most recent Spider-Man Tom Holland movies. Um, and he is playing the prince that she's supposed to marry. And you might imagine she's not like super jazzed about this. And I thought it was really interesting to see Sorsha in this like very like parental sort of like I will do what it takes to keep my family safe and you're not going to like it not. I don't care sort of role. Yeah. I mean, Sorsha was always like super intense and, you know, my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. But this is I I sort of I don't know what I expected, but I was like, come on now, Sorsha. I know. Let's get a little bit better about some of this. I agree. (laughs) I will talk more in the spoilers section about that. But like I I had to remind myself, I was like, well, she didn't have like a parenting figure. Like her mother was like literally the like demonic worst, horrible sorceress. Like who like she doesn't know. She has no role models for parenting. So, like, I don't think it's that big of a stretch that this is where she... It's a bummer, but, like, I'm also like, yeah, that's Gans. Like, how does she know how to be a parent? Like, it's not... She did not have good role models. Yeah, and that sort of came up as a sort of comical aside uh, in in the first episode. But, yeah, I... That absolutely tracks. Um, I think I was just, you know, of course, like... 
annoyed mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with her path, but also she's very like committed to you know the safety of her people yes. and the kingdom and everything. So there there are all sorts of reasons for that. Um, and I just also wanted to add that I was I too was impressed with Aaron Kellyman. I saw uh, Kellyman in one of the recent Marvel series another disney plus series uh the falcon and the winter soldier i was like i recognize her and Mm. she was also super good in that and i didn't realize that she had also been in solo a star wars oh yeah so she's already like done some of this stuff yeah well and i looked up kasdan and kasdan worked on he wrote solo a star wars story and was involved in producing if nothing else so that this is clearly like a creative partnership then that has you know interesting yeah some 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 recasting of favorites there um i'm here for it yes (laughs) it's uh and right so sorsha is having these terrible dreams and like hearing like you know, they're coming, like, ominous whispers. Um, and then monsters attack the castle at a very inopportune moment, and the quest goes out from there. And I won't say <laughs> what the quest is to preserve. Oh, and Alora Dannon has been hidden away. Nobody knows where she is or who she is, except for Sorsha, obviously. But, like, nobody knows where yeah. Alora Dannon is at this point. There's this whole, like, uh, there are suspicions about what might have happened to her. And also Mad Mardigan has, like, there's suspicions about yes. what might have happened to him. But, of course, he's disappeared. Yes. And nobody knows uh, what's come of him. And Kit has a whole thing about that. Like, lots of feelings yes. about her dad's disappearance um, that also come into play and are a big part of her character development so far. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So lots of interesting things from the jump, lots of story to work with, obviously, which is very exciting and made me really into the first episode because I knew there were so many things to unfold and untie and just sort out mm-hmm. over the course mm-hmm. of this series. Um, so... Do we want to get into some spoiler territory? Well, let's do let's do initial reaction. Okay. <laughs> like what's your overall like having seen two episodes? Are you like excited to watch more? Are you like cautiously interested? Like what's your vibe? I am excited to watch more. I think that I I kind of came into the series I guess a little bit m- with a little bit higher than low expectations, (laughs) if that's a way one can describe things, just because I was really excited to see Davis's Willow and Mm -hmm. also um, because I was just really ready to be um, taken back to this world. But also, I feel like recently I have watched a lot of, series and spinoffs and things in the fantasy realm that have disappointed me. Yeah. And so I wasn't going to be surprised if this was yet another one of those experiences. But that did not happen. I was compelled. And I think even if we hadn't had this episode planned, I would have immediately moved to the second mm. episode because I watched them all in one. I watched the two episodes 
in one go. And yeah. it was just because I really wanted to know what happened next. Yeah. Which has not recently happened uh, with my fantasy spinoff slash reboot slash whatever experiences. So yeah. that's me. Yeah. I, How about you? I agree. I, f- I was very prepared to like feel meh about it. And I found it very watchable. Um, something that I saw that you have in the notes too is I was a little bit surprised by some of the like you know, it is kind mm-hmm. of anachronistic uh, in an interesting way. The music yes. is incredible, actually, but like very modern. And um, the language, some of the jokes, like it's very Ron Howard and not all of it works. Um, but and I'm a little nervous about some of the choices that they made, although there was things that happened in episode three that reassured me a bit. So uh, I will get into that. Uh, on maybe another time or you can I won't talk about it on this show actually because I don't want to spoil it for Sharifa but anyway <laughs> I I am I am interested enough to keep going for sure and I was trying to figure out why it was that this worked for me where Lord of the Rings Rings of Power did not and like I saw the first two episodes of that which were much longer for the record I yeah think, um than the first two episodes of Willow. And I was like, why? Why did this work for me? And why didn't that? And I think, I mean, obviously, they're very different. Like Willow is is campy on purpose. It's very like it knows its tropes. It's playing with them. It's not taking itself too seriously, which I think helps my mental like uh, openness right now. Like anything that's too serious, I don't have as much emotional energy for. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate a lighter touch. But I also think that, like I was saying with like Kit and Eric, like really channeling some of the original energy of young Sorsha and Mad Mardigan, um, I think it really nailed the vibe of the original in this new iteration. And and you really feel the emotional connective tissue between the characters, even though, you know, like let's say 18 or 20 years have passed. Um it's not exactly known, but whereas Rings of Power, I was like, well, I theoretically, I know who Galadriel and Elrond are, sort of, but they don't feel like the characters I know from the other movies, from yeah. the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like, they they feel completely different. They just don't, there's not, it didn't feel like a lot of connective tissue, and then we're jumping around so much, there's so many new things, they're going so many new places, and I was like, I maybe I just got overloaded. Like, I just couldn't take it all in and make it connect with rings of power in a way that like willow is not overloading me (laughs) like i think i think it might just maybe part of it is a failure of my capacity at this point and like willow is nailing the capacity for me yeah i thought about this too when i saw your note uh because i felt the same way with rings of power and for me i do think that I, I feel the same way with the over. I get o- really overwhelmed right now. We, there's a running joke in our household, like when I'm like, I I have to wait for the right time to yeah. watch a thing that's serious, and it's like, is that right time ever going to come at this point? Because I just I just haven't been able to commit to anything really serious same. recently, um, and so that's difficult. But also, yeah, I couldn't really like. I, I there wasn't enough of a cohesive Mm -hmm. story for me to feel compelled to continue on. I was just like, I don't really know what I'm watching right now. And I can't find the point. Yes. 
So I'm just going to like move on. And this story is pretty straightforward about what it's trying to accomplish right from the get-go. And that really helps me. Um, And I apparently need that kind of help right now to just like tell me what the story is and who I'm rooting for. And like, you know, like I need to know these things. Yes. Uh, So. Yeah, exactly the same. Well, that let's bring that into spoiler territory. Okay, so if you're listening and you don't want to hear spoilers, like now is the time. Hit pause, back away, (laughs) come back to it after you've watched some episodes. We're only going to talk about the first and second episodes. Um, So with that dramatic disclaimer (laughs) so here's let me tell you the thing i love the most so far about and it goes back to how they're playing with tropes i love that we have a captured prince instead of a captured princess i could not be more delighted by that choice That was so good. I had that moment, too, where I was like, hey, I see what you're doing. Right? (laughs) Like his sister going out to, like, do the acts of heroism and, you know, rescue her brother from the tower and whatnot. You know, that's so awesome. And Jade, the knight, by her side, like two women going out to, you know, do whatever it takes to save the day and mm-hmm. rescue the prince. That's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> like, ama- like that's all I want right now. <laughs> it's like, ch- show me the tropes that you're playing with and then mess with them. Like, check, check, box checked. So um, I really love that. I also, I will say, like, I go back and forth a little bit on Ke- Kit. She's very bratty. Like, it's a deliberate character choice they're doing with her. Um, And I get it. And I'm curious to see how that arc develops. But one of the things that I was so happy about was to, like, see this, like, very casual, like, inclusivity on screen. Like, we get queer moments. We get, you know, folks of color. Like, people have different accents and nobody cares. Like, it's just, it feels very casually woven in in this way that like I find very endearing yeah and I remember from our Willow movie rewatch that I had sort of forgotten that especially like among the Nelwyn yes uh people there there was diversity and yeah. I had forgotten that that was a thing yeah. because I remember I remember being a kid and just being like these are the Nelwyns right. like you know I wasn't thinking about diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. the way I do now but it it was nice to see that carry through to this whole world of characters and be um, dialed up be like so, made more inclusive because yeah. now the big people are also mm-hmm. inclusive in a way that was not really true in the original yeah yeah I mean Jade was I'm, I'll just give it away my favorite is my favorite oh, yeah. character so far. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, um, and with Kit in particular, with her brattiness, I agree. Like, I was – like, of course, there were moments where I was like, I totally get this. Yeah. Like, marrying somebody you don't want to marry, yeah. down with that. But then there were some other things where right. I was like, all right. And there was a moment where Jade was basically like, yeah, do whatever you want to do because that's <laughs> – 
You know, yeah, that's just what you do all day long. Yeah, like, yep, yep. Tell her what's <laughs> Good up. Good point, Jade. <laughs> Tell her, give her the real talk. Like that's what needs to happen here. Yeah, it's really, it was really delightful. I will say, I had this moment because Jade is actually the first person we see. Um, mm-hmm. you know, she and Kit are having this sword fight, and then she gets unmasked, and I was like, oh, is she gonna be a Laura Dannon? Because like, you know. She has red hair. So I was like, she could be Laura Tennant. Like, what if they, that would be amazing. Like, I was like, I was so excited for her to turn out to be a Laura Dannon. And that does not happen. So, you know, womp womp for that. But like, I had this moment of like, what if this is what they're doing? Um, So anyway, that's my note about that. They had to have done that consciously because I had the exact, because they pan, they go from, Alora Dannon as a baby, like the imagery, the transition was so specific. I was like, are they just being like, are they trolling us Yes, I think they might be. I think they were trolling us a little bit. And I I like kind of resent it because I want that. Like that would have been an amazing reveal. And it is not, you know, so... um, so yeah, yeah. Because... you know, and like the actual Alora Dannon, she's fine. She's fine. Yeah. So Dove, uh, is that her real name or was no? That the I mean, that's her like nickname, remember. sort of. There's a there's a plot point later yeah. on where we find out her. <gasps> is like, it like Brunhilda's her Brunhilda? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very random. <laughs> so I had thought like before I knew that Dove. The kitchen, the baker was yes, Alora Muffin Dannon. Girl. Muffin Girl. When she was walking across, like when she kept going off on her own yeah. to try and do things, I was like, you're making zero sense right, right now. What is wrong with you? And I was like, ugh, she's just like extra weight for the whole yes. quest. Like she's yeah. just going to be annoying. And then they were like, and she is a Laura Dan, and right. I was like, I'm trying to moderate my irritation. Yes. Right I now. I agree. I was really not. I don't think they threaded that particularly well. It felt sort of out of nowhere. Um, yeah. So you know that a, a little bit of a, a misstep for me there, but I will say I'm obsessed with her green sweater wrap thing. Like I, I will that. like try to pay somebody on the internet to make one for me. <laughs> The incredible. The one thing, like with these new fantasy series in general, yes. like the costuming oh lately yes. for these has been like because you can tell not just for this uh for the Willow series, which is of course has the anachronisms and things yes. like that. And so it makes sense that there's some modernity woven into the costumes no pun intended (laughs) but like i've seen some other stuff like i remember when i started watching like wheel of time oh yeah there were so many outfits where i was like i need that yes yeah no thousand costuming is on point yes it's very very good and then you know i i thought it was an interesting mix of like the horror elements with like the humor i thought they did a good job of making like the gales really horrifying and creepy and like balancing out the like kind of silly like teenagery stuff with the grown-up stuff with the horror stuff like i think they get that balance pretty pretty right yeah uh and i wrote (laughs) in the notes oh this is a lot more family friendly. Yeah. And then I was like, 
Well, maybe kids would cry (laughs) if they saw some of these character treatments and like they are, those creatures are truly terrifying. The stuff of nightmares, Yeah, but teenage family friendly. Yes, teenage family, tween maybe if your kids have like a strong horror love. Um, Episode three gets even darker with this stuff. Like the effects are real intense and gory and and weird. So just FYI. Mm. I, let's see. Oh, right. And I am obsessed with Thraxis Borman. Like, I, you know, there are reasons why we couldn't have Val Kilmer. And so we have this instead, this departed, mysterious, like, why he went off to seek, uh, like, a MacGuffin, like a a special piece of armor and never came back. And instead, we have Thraxis Borman, who is the most perfectly cast, you know, lay about, like... (laughs) morally neutral like is he helping what's his agenda like he's there to be like annoyed with everyone and like look out for himself but every now and then like unexpected heroics oh my gosh I just love it I love it I do too I mean talk about bringing some of that Mad Mardigan vibe to us by way of other characters like that Mm -hmm. chaotic sort of personality is served so well through Thraxis Foreman. Like, I'm delighted every time he shows up on the screen because I know that he's just going to be completely like, you don't know what's going to come out of his mouth, but it's probably going to be funny or you're going to be like, oh, is he actually like, is there some, you know... He's got some sort of some moral grounding here. And then you're like, oh, no, maybe not. Like, yeah, (laughs) I just love the playfulness of that character. And I think that that addition was really is going to be really valuable through this series. So I can't. Yeah. Amar Chada Patel is like just nailing it. Just nailing it. So good. So good. Um, Yeah. And even like. You know, like, there are some of the characters that are, you know, sort of not necessarily stand out for me, but, um, ooh, what's the name of the prince Kit was going to marry? I've forgotten his name. But oh, I Tony Ravalori, really uh, Graydon. Yes. yes. I'm, I'm curious to Graydon. see where his plotline goes, because he does seem like very like filler early on. Um, but he's starting yeah. to have some depth. I have some questions about stuff he knows and doesn't know that I'm curious to see how they handle. No, he's he's doing a great job, too, of like adding some layers to the mysteries that are on screen. And I'm really interested in seeing where that goes. Um, we both had this note about Sorsha and Willow's relationship because ah, yes. Sorsha is actually really awful to Willow. Like she is terrible to him after he has this, you know, prophetic vision that involves Allura Dannon and magic. And she's like, okay, great. So we're just going to outlaw magic. We're going to hide Allura. Like you can't train her. And also you are not a great sorcerer and you never will be. I wanted to like reach through the screen and throttle her. So unacceptable. So unacceptable. That line, I made an audible noise. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Cold. Sorry. Cold. So cold. So cold. The disrespect. I, I mean, it. he saved you 
multiple times in the previous iteration. Like, you shut your face. <laughs> I was very upset. And I I was concerned, too, because the show seemed to be leaning into that mm-hmm. in episode two. Like, they go to the Nelwyn village and he's, like, sort of faking some stuff. And you're like, what is what is happening here? But I will say that episode three put some of that right for me. So just FYI. Okay, good. Because I couldn't like, of course, there's like this whole uh, swatch of history that we don't see. And we get little glimpses of some of what happened in between what we're seeing now and where the movie ended. And like the thing with Willow trying to like lure Alora Dan in a way and stuff like that. I, yes. It was sort of, um, I it also was wasn't sure how to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, at the end of the movie, you feel great and you feel like really happy for Willow that he's finally mm-hmm. come into his own. And so you're like, yes. was that just not real? Like, yeah. is it yeah. all... Did he just lose everything? I don't I don't get what's right. happening. So I'm glad to hear some of that is is clarified perhaps. Yes. Um, it gets addressed pretty strongly in the third episode. So Okay. This is all making yeah. me anticipate watching the next yeah. episode, which is good. <laughs> the third episode is a humdinger, y'all. Some real stuff goes down in it. So I I'm like very much waiting on episode four to be like, okay, now what? Now what's gonna happen? So I'm really excited for that. Um, yeah. And also I wanted to shout out Willow's daughter, who was oh, yes. I loved her character as well. Such a, yeah. it was just a short moment with her, but I thought she was so great, like tugged my heartstrings with Mims. all of the Yeah, Mims and just like, you know, being Willow's, you know, cheerleader and support and Mm-hmm. obviously the last of his family which was like <laughs> yeah I just loved those moments between the two of them and her egging him on to like try harder so yeah uh, yeah that actress Annabelle Davis did an amazing job so yes yes so I mean it's it's good I'm so yeah. glad it's better than I thought it was gonna be yes. because yeah I didn't want this franchise this story ruined for me I can't bear it I know I know it is it's really watchable I'm really curious to see what happens next and I'm hopeful that they will keep going with the smart choices that like they're setting up some stuff and you're like oh do I trust you to fix this and like I'm you know I'm hopeful um I know there will be things invariably that I don't like because you know of course there will be yeah yeah I'm I'm gonna keep watching it for sure I'm just saying that they had better do something really cool with Jade after trolling us like that that's my my final statement I need to see that (laughs) percent They yeah, gotta make I agree. It up to us. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> well, hopefully, y'all will check it out and let us know your thoughts as well. In the meantime, we're gonna go watch. I'm gonna watch the next episode. Yeah, and that's it for today's episode. <laughs> SFF Yeah is sound edited by Caitlin Brame. Many thanks to her for making a sound great each and every episode when we have some flubs uh for more recommendations check out bookriot.com you can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen 
Thank you so much for listening. Email us your thoughts um, and any ideas you have for future episodes at sffia at bookriot.com. And if you have a moment, please review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, where can they find you online, Jen? Oh, yeah. I mean, it just changes every day. I feel like what's happening online. <laughs> so the most reliable place to find me right now is Tumblr, Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. I'm also on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. Um, I'm on Hive and Twitter when they're working as J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And we'll see what else happens. Who knows? Who knows? What about you? Who knows? <laughs> I'm on Instagram at Edzina Williams, S-C-A-I-N-A-B. Williams. And we'll talk to you next time.